Welcome to the Lord's house this morning. It's good to see you here. We have been given the grace of God, brings us to a new week, a new day, and of course the Lord's day. And we have the great privilege of being in His house this morning. Let us join our hearts and our voices in worship, number 46, and we will stand pleased to sing, O worship the King, all glorious above. What a precious hymn we have been able to sing to the glory of our Savior. That is why we're here today. We're here for one reason only, that we might glorify our Lord Jesus Christ and follow in His pathway, doing His will, honoring Him with our lives in all of our deficiencies and weaknesses, and we know them well. And yet we know that the Spirit of God is in us and He has promised that He will enable us. Don't we often feel that we are frail children of dust? And yet our great God knows. He remembers that we are dust. And yet He does not despise us. Remember that Jesus willingly calls us brothers. He calls us His children. We belong to Him. And that is a very special thing. Let's lift our hearts and voices on this final verse, please.
let's unite our hearts, please, as we come to seek the Lord now in prayer. Our gracious Father, what joy and privilege is afforded us that we may come into this house today to unite with those of like precious faith, that we might sing praises to our great God, that we might have the opportunity of exalting our Lord Jesus. And we pray today that we will know the help of the Spirit of God enabling us to sing and pray and read and understand the Scriptures. And Lord, our prayer is that they would be written on our hearts. We want, Lord, to be changed and conformed more to the image of Your only begotten Son. We want our lives to make a difference in our generation. Time is going quickly. Days are fleeting. And it's only what is done for Christ will last. Lord, stamp that truth upon our hearts today, I pray, and help each one of us to rejoice in the Lord alway, because we have received so much. And even though, Father, life may be difficult and challenging, trying, and maybe things are not going in the direction, Lord, that we thought, but, O oh God, we leave ourselves under the canopy of Your sovereign will and purpose and under that divine direction. And Lord, we don't want to fight against it. We don't want to kick and rebel and go in our own way. We want, O oh God, only that our hearts and lives and whatever we have been enabled to do in service would all redound to the glory of King Jesus. Help us to that end. Father, we pray for every believer gathered in or listening today online. Suit a blessing to every prepared heart. Father, let the Word of God sink deep down in our souls. And I pray, Father, that as the Word has been given to us, this written revelation, this perfect communication from from you in heaven. Well, Lord, I pray that we would take hold of the Scripture and that we would cherish it and value it in our hearts. We would memorize it and commit its truth to our every day. And Lord, help us. Lord, what about those who are here, who are not saved, visitors that may have come in, someone tuning in online, maybe by total chance or accident, at least they think. But, oh God, we pray there would be a gospel message and word, a saving word to the heart of those who are without Christ. Please use us, Lord, to point people to the Savior. Make use of us in our testimony, our silent witness, and our open communication, and the manner in which we live our life, our, our behavior, Oh, Father, help us. We fail so often, but strengthen us with might in the inner man. Teach us what it means to die unto ourselves daily, that we might live unto Jesus. Father, help us in our, our land today. Give us help 
regarding our leaders. We ask again to give us those leaders who are born again, saved by the grace of God. Give us leaders who are submitting to Your will. And Lord, if they do not submit willingly, we pray You would turn their hearts according to divine purpose. Lord, help us. Think of our own denomination and the needs we have in churches without pastors today. Supply that need. In the meantime, strengthen believers in those places. Let them not become cast down or discouraged, but rather may they pray more intently and with intensity that there would be an answer to prayer and a supplying of an under-shepherd. Here are prayers to that end. Father, give us what we desire from Your hand, a gracious awakening and a stirring of the Holy Spirit in us that we would walk worthy of our Lord and Savior. So grant that to us today. Strengthen every heart. We pray for those who are sick. Remember George and Linda today. We pray that Your hand would be upon them and to bring them back to health and strength once more. We pray for others who are going through long-term sickness for Ron and for Serene, and those who have recently been bereaved of loved ones. Help them, Lord. Comfort them in this time of their need. Hear our prayer today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, we sang hymn 46 this morning, and now we're going to turn to Psalm 46. If you're using our book, the Psalms are at the back. We'll stand please again as we sing.
Thank God that though the heavens could be moved and the earth dissolved and cast into the sea, yet we will trust, we will depend on God who is our refuge in every time of trouble. Please turn in your Bibles with me now to the book of Acts chapter 5. The book of Acts chapter 5. reading from verse 17 down to 32. The context of chapter 5, the apostles had been ministering the Word of God, and it had caused a great deal of upset in Jerusalem, and so they had been arrested. Verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, And all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord, by night, opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without, before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto they would grow. Then came one, and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom he put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The Lord will bless His Word to us today as we have read these precious words. I want to welcome you all. This morning to the Lord's house, we're very glad to see you in person, glad you're here, and uh, we thank God for the health He has given to each one, and I know that there are different levels of sicknesses and aches and pains that people have, but it's good to see you out in the house of the Lord, and this morning I had the 
joy of saying a few words with our, our brother Richard Teo. He was the first man in the church here this morning. And uh, our brother, it was great to see him here. And it's always an encouragement to have him in the house of the Lord. And not just so mobile. And you know, we thank God for the blessings that He gives to the people of God. And remember those who can't be here. Mentioned uh, George and Linda in prayer. They were not able to be out last Lord's Day either. They came down with COVID and uh, they're doing well now. They said they had a bit of a difficult week, uh, but they're doing well now and uh, just wanted to take one more day to try to get over that nasty cough that seems to be residual uh, with the COVID experience. But thank God they have been kept uh, not doing too bad at this time. want to please ask you to remember the special meetings we have this coming Friday. Uh, I'll announce and give some more details about them in just a moment. But please remember the services today at 5.30, 5.50 rather, our uh, pre-service prayer time, and then our evening service at 6.30. Monday night we have had a planned work party, and that sort of got a little bit canceled a few weeks ago, although some men came because it was bad weather and rain. So this is really the third one, but it's the second major cleanup. Well, it's a fall time, and it's a good thing to prepare because of our special weekend of meetings coming up. Now, in light of that, the session thought it would be wise to not tire the people out too much, and so we're not going to be having our prayer meeting this Wednesday night. Instead, we want to encourage every family everyone to be together and make a special effort to be out Friday and Saturday and the Lord's Day. And we want to be sure that everyone is engaged. So there will be no gym fellowship either Friday night. So no other meetings. The Monday night had been previously planned, and we want to get that cleanup finished best we can. So there will be no other meetings uh, this week except starting Friday. So Friday's going to be when uh, Reverend McKee and his wife, they arrive, and they'll be with us on Friday night at 7 p.m., not 7.30. Remember that, 7 7 p.m., and that will be our Friday night meeting. We hope you'll come, and come in good time, and uh, be excited about the weekend of meetings. There will be a time of fellowship, some light refreshments after on Friday night. And then on Saturday at 5 p.m., we're going to have the long-awaited international dinner, Uh, There's been a lot of people who have been asking, when are we going to have one of these again? And we've been not able for a long time. But we're going to have one this Saturday, so that's an encouragement. And bring everyone in the church. Please be sure you sign the list that's uh, out the back on the table to know how many are coming with your family, just to be sure we can prepare all of the uh, seating accommodations downstairs and so on. So come in good time on Friday. If you're going to be bringing a dish, a hot dish, Please bring it table ready the best you can because we have ovens, but they're not too many. there's only two of them. They're small, only used for necessary warming if necessary. So if you can come, by all means, what you're going to bring, uh, bring it, please, enough for your family and a little bit extra, and that would be sure that our visitors will be catered for. We have invited the Berry congregation to come down and also our Port Hope congregation. We're not just sure yet how many will come uh, from Uh, those places, but we want to encourage them and make them feel as welcome as possible. That's 5 p.m. Then on Saturday evening, uh, Reverend McKee is going to have a a meeting with the men, and his wife is going to bring a devotional word to the ladies, and so that will be after 
the fellowship time at around 7 o'clock, we think, on Saturday night as well. So if you can't come for the dinner, you can still come for the evening service. The Lord's Day will go on as normal. Our Sunday school and Bible classes at 9.55, and then our morning service at 11, and the evening one at 6.30. Monday evening will be a special meeting for the youth and the young adults, whatever age it was you started and came into Sunday school, and right up until 30 years of age, or however you want to come along, you're welcome, young adults and we want to make that a special night on Monday. It will be at 7 p.m., and Reverend McKee will be addressing his words uh, directly to the youth. So come along, encourage everyone. And if you haven't been attending youth Bible class or coming along, make sure you're there for that Monday evening meeting. Uh, those are all the announcements that we have to make uh, to you at this time in ministry details. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 361. 361. Uh, remain seated while we sing, and this is a good hymn for our boys and girls, so I want to make sure that you sing out the very best you can as well. Let's stand, please, for the final two verses.
Amen. You may be seated. It's always good to see our sister Lillian Vogan in the service with us. And uh, also, I omitted announcing last Lord's Day. She has family visiting with her from overseas. We're happy to have you folks. I believe this is your last time. Going to be heading back over, back home again. We're very happy you've been able to be with us and enjoy your time in the Lord's house here. I want you to turn, please, with me now to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. And now, as soon as I say that, everybody's going to be wondering what's going on. This is out of order. Uh, the Daniel study is at nighttime and not in the morning. Well, I've made a change today, and I want to look at this study tonight that we would normally have been doing today, rather, normally at nighttime. And I have a different message that I want to bring to you in the evening time. So we're going to be reading in Daniel chapter 6. The context of the chapter, well, it has to do with what was taking place in the life of Daniel in his elderly years. He is over 80, possibly closer to 90 years of age by the time chapter 6 has occurred. Verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage or loss. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled themselves together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house 
and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. May God bless his word to our hearts as we have read today. We'll ask now for his help. Father, I pray today that we would have understanding, we would have clarity in the word of truth. I pray that there would be, Lord, very direct application by the Holy Spirit to all our hearts. Lord, take away every distracting thing. I pray that everyone here will be very conscious of the Savior in our gathering, of the Holy Spirit moving from place to place. Lord, come and help me to speak the word of truth faithfully. I ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know chapter 6 very well of Daniel. Anyone who has been through Sunday school is perhaps one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, and certainly because it deals with a faithful man of God who was elevated to a very high position by the providence of God, and he knew the protecting hand of the Lord upon him, And the new regime that was put in place in the Medo-Persian Empire, well, Daniel, he was very prominent in that place. The intention of Darius the king was to exalt Daniel even higher to become the head over all the realm. And of course, that particular move did not sit well with the other presidents, nor the princes of the empire, and they were stirred up with jealousy and envy, leading them to act with great deception and a treacherous scheming plan to overthrow this man of God. Now, instead of being thankful that the kingdom was blessed with such a man of honor, They would rather have had men like themselves, evil men in power. Well, some things never change, do they? That's the same situation we face now in our land. The ungodly would rather have ungodly men with them in power because they hate the stand and the position. So this mob of princes and the presidents, they were motivated by this bitterness and hatred And they looked for a way in which they could accuse or find a way to tear this man down. They searched very hard. They looked over all the records and the books in the empire, but they could find nothing wrong. There was no charge to be brought against this man of God regarding his actions 
regarding his accounting behavior. There were no scandals. There was no smut. There were no back room dealings. There were no bribes. He was very clean. In fact, he was too clean for their liking. And then they turned to his personal conduct. And they searched all of his accounts and behavior, but could find no inappropriate communication. There were no shady dealings. No risque private communication. No, nothing of that. In fact, verse 4 tells us, but they could find none occasion nor fault Forasmuch as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. This is incredible. Do you know that the Holy Spirit did not record any sin in the Bible against Daniel? Sin is recorded against Abraham, Moses, David, but the Lord chose not to record it. We know that that does not mean Daniel was a sinless man. He was a man born of Adam's race. He was a man with a heart totally depraved. However, he was a man who had met God. A man who had been converted by the grace of God and he believed in the Lord. He looked to his Messiah and the Redeemer who was his Savior. So he was a changed man. He was a God-fearing man. They were not able to find anything that was dirty against him in his personal life or in his business life. And this is uh, astounding. So they turned to all they had left, which was his personal relationship with God. If they were going to get anything against this guy, it was going to have to be against his religion, his worship, and Specifically, his prayer life. It was a stroke of, well, genius perhaps. They would convince the king not to ask any request of any god or any man for 30 days. And it might sound a bit strange to us why that would have been the case, but those kings were exalted to the place of deity. They were recognized by the people. At least they puffed them up to think they were deity, which is one of the reasons why some suggest the law of the Medes and Persians was not going to be changed because if it was coming from the gods, then it would be a perfect law and it could not be changed and it would not be. But these presidents, I doubt, cared very much thinking about the deity of Darius. No, to him, he was, he was a pawn they were going to manipulate. And they were going to find some way that they could feed on his ego. And so, they knew he was a man of pride. He was in an exalted place. And so, they stroked him like you would stroke a cat. They didn't go against the grain. They went with the grain. And everything was nice and smooth. And so... The king signed the law. What was to happen now? What would Daniel do now? Friend, if you knew 
What would you do now? And I want to focus today on verse 10 of this chapter because it tells us how Daniel responded. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel comes to us as a man who is resolved to obey God rather than men. He comes to us as a man of conviction, a man whose life is in the hands of the God he worships. And I pray that today, as we consider this verse, that the Spirit of God will apply the things that we will learn from how Daniel responded, and that we will take them to our heart this morning. In the first place, I leave with you this. We have to have an understanding about Daniel that will help us to understand how he responded. We must know something further about the man himself. What was his mode of operation? What made this man tick, as we sometimes would say? Well, we already have read in verse 3 that his character was one of an excellent spirit. We know that the word excellent spirit, what that refers to, is a man who possessed the Spirit of God. I commented in our previous study that those who did not know God, and they may have realized that there was something better about this man, certainly Nebuchadnezzar did, and even Belshazzar in his, in his strange way acknowledged that. But what was there about this man? He had something different. It was God in him. And my dear friends, when we go about our business in the world, it will be a notable thing when the world observes your life and they realize there's something different about you. What is it? It has to be more than you're just a nice person, or you're just better than a gentle believer. There's something more about you. It is Christ in you, the hope of your glory. And with Christ in us, and the Spirit of God living and abiding in us, then we have His his direction, His beauty, His love. We have the radiance of the Spirit about us. Oh, oh! I, I pray, friends, that that will be our testimony from every believer in this fellowship. And I pray that when people see us, they will not see our ugliness. Uh, they will not see our bad manners. They will not see our ill temper. Ah, may the Lord deliver us and forgive us for our our bad ways. Ah, but they will not see those. They will see us with an excellent spirit because God's Spirit is abiding within. And of course, 
the excellency of the Spirit of this man of God, it was put forward, it was evidenced in the way he lived. He was a man of integrity. His spiritual and practical life, they were not soiled with with the life of Babylon. Do you remember back in the days of Joshua when Achan He took some things out of Jericho that he should not have taken. He stole some gold. He stole a Babylonian garment. And every likelihood that that Babylonian garment was something of a priest's garment, something that was so ornate and beautiful, it had all the bells and whistles on it. And he just wanted to have, he could not resist Achan when he saw that Babylonian garment because it spoke of everything that Babylon was in all of its God-denying and Christ-hating lifestyle and all of their multiplicity of religious adherences. And Daniel, he had to navigate. He had to navigate his life amidst all of that. And it's like walking in a minefield. But how we are to walk as Christians circumspectly not as fools, but as wise. In our life, brothers and sisters, the eyes of the world are on you. And they're examining us. And they're just waiting for one little step out of place, one little trip or stumble and fall. And then they're on us like a ton of bricks. Not that they wouldn't have done those things and many things worse, but they are looking to find some flaw in the character Because as our life and testimony is to preach righteousness, and we are to be men and women of integrity, of an excellent spirit, therefore let's not be surprised when the world is looking on us and trying to find loopholes. But how often do we give them the ammunition to shoot right back at us? May God give us grace and let us be on our guard not to go down that road. This man of God here, he lived clean in an unclean world. He walked with God when that was not in vogue at that time. He loved his Lord with his heart. Personal integrity that he had was not for sale. It was not something he could barter or would. It could not be convinced out of him. He could not be purchased to go in a certain direction. And the implication of all this is that these other presidents, they tried to do everything they could to divert Daniel from his course of action. Because going in those types of places and the negotiation that goes on back and forth and the the trading of morality the trading of ethics, and all the garbage of governments, well, you can be sure that they would have come to Daniel and at least tried some way to get him to bend. But there was no bending. My dear friends, integrity is not something of the moment. It's of the life. It's not when people are watching. It's when no one is watching. And I pray that 
this excellent spirit of integrity that was in Daniel, which was at the very heart of his life toward God, that we will also say, Lord, we want to follow in that way too. But Daniel was not an ostentatious man. We had gathered that by how he's presented to us in the Word. He was a humble man. He was a man who knew his place. That does not mean he was a pushover. It didn't mean that in his job and responsibility as a president, he would not take the accounting of these people. Do you remember what Joseph was like in Egypt? Joseph was put in that place. He was a man of business. He was a man of focus. He was a man who got the job done. Daniel was like that as well, for sure. But there can also be the blending of that spirit as we have an attitude toward our work and the job that needs to get done, but also to have an attitude that is, is humble. It wasn't a charade for him. It wasn't some kind of pretense. But it was one who had left his life in the hands of his God. And so the spirit of humility, the spirit of integrity, of course it was the spirit of Jesus, of our Lord. It was at the heart of all true followers of, of the Son of God. My friend, where will you place your life? Are you known as a person of integrity, of, of honor? Is that how we are, are known? But we also know that he was a man of resolute faith that goes without saying. Because he saw beyond the temporal. Too often, don't we have to confess that our eyes, my, our heads are down and we're looking at the road immediately in front of us. And it's a way of saying we're not really looking heavenward, we're looking at all the horizontal plane of all the stuff going on and problems and issues and difficulties. And we can't escape those responsibilities. But my dear friends, the walk of faith is the walk that's going to see things in a vertical perspective from a Godward point of view. And that's how we must walk through our life. He was a man of resolute faith. And that faith that had come to him, it helped him to see things in perspective. He could see things that this life was not the end for him. This world was not his home. He was looking for a continuing city. One that was to come. Because he walked by faith, not by his sight. Here was a man that proved what Paul brought out in Romans from the book of Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. And Daniel was an example of this. But I say to you also, not just a man of integrity, a man of faith, uh, he was a man of purpose. Perhaps the most compelling of the attributes that stands out in him, certainly that evidence the excellent spirit that he had was that he was a man on and with a mission. He had a purpose to his life. And this purpose was centered on the relationship that he had with his God. And his resolute determination was, I will follow God in my life. 
doing the will of God was the purpose for which he lived. Is doing the will of God, my dear friend, your purpose of life? Is following what God wants you to do in your life, is that what consumes you? Or quite frankly, is what consumes you your own desires, your own plans? It's important for us all to evaluate that. And must we come? Yes, willingly would we not come to the Lord and say, Father, I want my will and my direction to be absolutely on course and in the center of your divine will. You know, this is not some uh, instant mix, but it's the recipe of a of a strong conviction that a sovereign God had directed him. And he had called him. And God had commissioned him with a purpose. And he was to be a light in a very dark place. Was Daniel altogether happy that he was taken as a slave, as a young teenager from Israel, his home? That would not have made him rejoice. Of course not. But here was a young man now having lived his whole life by God with him, directing him, leading him, and now he's an elderly man. But the light of God's presence and the excellency of His Spirit is shining more brightly in him than ever it had. Here's a man who was in touch with God. You know, when a person is convinced that their life purpose is by divine appointment and not by some accidental thing, then all else settles into place. There is worry and disappointment and discouragement and complaining. All those things are gone. Why would they be gone? Because I see my life directed by the God of heaven, and I am in His will, And I'm living my life with a purpose. Daniel proved that back in his youngest days when he first came into Babylon. And he wouldn't take of all that the king Nebuchadnezzar put before him, all of the bounty and all of the elegance and all the pomp and ceremony, all the best of the best. It was all offered to Daniel then, but he and his friends said, no, we will not bow ourselves We will purpose in our hearts not to defile ourselves. My dear friends, if we set that as a course of action in our lives, then God will honor and bless us. What have we to worry about? If I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness then all these things, my dear friends, events known and events unknown, all of these things are directed by a loving Heavenly Father. Can we, should we kick against them? Should we complain against them? Oh, may the Lord pour His grace into us. We need a double portion of His Spirit in order to survive this world and life. 
And I pray that the Lord would strengthen our hands today. Are we people who are living our lives on purpose and with purpose for God? Please notice the second thing that we learn here this morning is this. We learn that Daniel was fully aware of the implications of this new law that had been signed. We're told now when Daniel knew that this writing was signed. We would say, of course he knew. He was a head of state. No law would have come across the land that would not have come across his desk. He would have known about it. He would have heard about it. But he also knew the nature of the Medo-Persian law structure. That when such a law was stamped with the king's ring, signed into effect, that it could not be changed or altered or undone. He knew that. And my dear friends, he also knew what this meant to his personal faith. The Babylonians, they burned people for crimes that were deemed to be capital offense. Hence, we have the issue of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that Nebuchadnezzar deemed they were guilty of not bowing down before the image that he had made. But a favorite of the Medo-Persian Empire was feeding the criminals to the lions. And Daniel knew it. And he knew the law had been signed. The terror of facing such a death would make many people comply without any hesitation at all. Of course I'll not ask anything. Are you kidding? I don't want to be thrown to the lions. For most it would have been a very small price to pay to say, well, I'm just going to keep quiet for 30 days. I'm just not going to say anything. And if I do have something to ask, I'm definitely going to go to the king. In fact, I'll make up something to go to the king just to show that I'm part of the crowd. My friends, allowing our decisions to do what is right based on convenient or unpleasant or even threatening circumstances will always lead, always lead to a compromise of the truth. Sometimes we plead ignorance of the law. Well, I didn't know about that. Well, try that the next time you're pulled over for speeding. And as the officer is giving you the nice little yellow piece of paper, I do know what color they are, yellow piece of paper, he'll say, this will help you with your vision the next time. So ignorance won't work when you say, I didn't know here. But there's a, there was no lack of knowledge with Daniel. He knew. He knew about this law. And he knew what was going on. He knew the law had been signed with a king's stamp and it could not be changed. Yet that did not alter his steps in the will of God. My friends, do not miss this. Here's a man on purpose with God. Here's a man that's walking and living in the center of the will of God. 
Here's a man who now knows that his life is going to be held by a thread over the sharp teeth of hungry lions. And what does he do? Well, the third thing we learn this morning is that Daniel was unfazed by such a law. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. I can't understand it. I don't think I would be that way, friends. And apart from the grace of God, we know that Daniel would not have been that way either because he did not operate by his own willpower. He was a man controlled by God. But when you and I look at the reality of what was in front of him, he was unfazed by this law. And why was that? That's a good question. We want to know the answer to this. Why was he unfazed by this? I will tell you why. It was because he lived to a higher authority and power. He did not live to the authority of Darius, to Cyrus, to Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Nabonidus, any of those characters. Oh, at times he would respect the authority when necessary, but he lived far beyond that. Because he feared the living God and not a human power or authority. And we look at this account in chapter 6. We know the story well. You've read it a hundred times yourself. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of this and comes down to the reality, place yourself in that position. What would you do? Are we going to be guided by a sovereign higher power? Are we not going to submit ourselves with fear to human authority? John Knox looked into the face of Mary, Queen of Scots, and he had no fear of this earthly monarch, for that man feared the face of God. And no man that fears the face of God will fear the face of clay. May God help us brothers and sisters, in our day to take our stand. For we will be called to do just that. But we know that the reason why he was unfazed by this is because he walked by his faith and not by sight. That's easy to say, isn't it? We quote that verse often. And we are to walk by faith and not by our sight. But the sight was very vivid in front of him. And he knew where the lion's den was. He knew all about that. But he trusted through his faith, walking with his God. And it's because he trusted in God's deliverance from past experience. Do you remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar? They said, well, if so be, God will deliver us from this fire. But if not, know this, O king, we are not bowing down to your image. The spirit that was in those three men of faith, men of excellent spirit, 
the same that Daniel had here, it was past experience that he could recall. I know God has been with me in the past. And He will, as He promised, be with me in the present. And believer, you can rest on that today as well. You know and can cite in your own experience many, many times the Lord has been with you and delivered you. Now, I know you can't, you can't take the grace of a past experience and apply that grace to today, but you can certainly use the memory of the past experience, how God was faithful to you, and it helps us to encourage us to place all our confidence on the Lord again because He has never failed us and He never will fail us. And because Daniel walked each day with his heart in heaven, even though his feet were on earth, he walked as if earth didn't exist. He walked as if he was already in glory. He walked in the presence of the King. And that's why we learn that he was unfazed by such a law. And the fourth thought we have, we learn that Daniel, his resolve was to continue walking with God on the ground of the atoning blood of the Redeemer. You say, well, how does that fit in what we learn today? Please notice in verse 10, we're told that his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He did not have to open his windows. Do you notice that? He didn't have to open them. They were already open. Because he left them open. They were open all the time. Because every time he'd come back to his chamber, his private place, his bedroom quite likely, he came back to his private place and he was ready to commune with God. Now, don't think for a moment that because we're told he prayed three times a day, that that's all he prayed. No, no, of course not. He, he walked with God. He communed with the Lord continually in the course of his day, but he sought to be prudent, to be healthy spiritually, to set times to seek the Lord. You know, friends, sometimes if we don't do that, you know what happens? Our day will just be consumed with everything else we have to do, with all of our busyness. And if you say this, I, I intend to get to God and pray when I get the time. Do you know what will happen? You will never get the time. When I find the time, I, I'll spend some time with the Lord. That's not how it works. No, no. You will make the time to be alone with God. You will make the time to seek the Lord. And however you do that in your own personal life, there are no restrictions. Now, Daniel prayed three times a day, we're told here, but maybe he prayed ten times a day, twenty, thirty, fifty. Maybe you will set other parameters. But my friend, the point is, how essential is it for us to get alone with God every day? Somehow, somewhere, and to get along with God and close the door behind us and make sure the windows are open in front of us toward heaven, toward Jerusalem in this case. 
Why toward Jerusalem? This takes us back to 1 Kings chapter 8, as we have been studying in our prayer meeting and the dedication prayer of Solomon to the temple, because in that prayer, we haven't got to it yet, but in the, the gist of that prayer, he is saying and praying to God that if any man in a distant land, if any man is a sojourner, a wanderer, or taken captive, Solomon says that, and he's off in a far land, and he looks toward Jerusalem and prays that, God, you will hear his prayer, and you will come to his need and answer him. And what was that all about? Because, my friend, in Jerusalem was the temple, and in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, and on the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat, and that's where the blood of atonement was sprinkled, and that's where God said, I will meet with you there. And though they were distant by many, many miles, the spirit and heart was what was important. Now, some might ask, well, when Daniel is opening his windows toward Jerusalem, the temple by this time was gone. Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed it. He had taken all the stuff that was in the temple. That's what Belshazzar was doing, eating and drinking in the feast of all those vessels. The temple had been destroyed. The walls of the city were all broken down. So what have they left? The Ark of the Covenant? No one knows where that is or what happened to it, but it was gone. But the point was all this. God doesn't depend upon a place he doesn't depend upon anything that's physical. The whole thing is lifted to the spiritual realm here. And so here is a man who on the ground of the shed blood, of the atonement, he was seeking toward his God. And that's why this man had power with God and power with men. We're told that Daniel kneeled on his knees. Three times a day, he prayed and gave thanks to the Lord. I don't know if you kneel on your knees when you're alone with God and praying or not. The posture of prayer is not the important thing. If you pray and get alone with God on your knees, that's a good thing. But there might be a case where age or infirmity or some other problem means you, you can't kneel on your knees. They, they wouldn't hold you up. And so the point is, friends, that the attitude of heart, that was at the center of this. It was Daniel's attitude of his heart. He reverenced God. He looked to the holy God of heaven and earth, and he wanted to humble himself before God, and he did that by his posture, because his heart was humbled before God. That's why. And so, friends, as you're driving in the car, you're praying to the Lord. As you're pushing the shopping cart in the shopping store, you're talking with the Lord. You're communicating with God in every part of your existence. And that's the way it should be. Ah, but let's not forget, there are those, those special times where we, we want to meet with God specifically without as many distractions as can be taken away. 
The fifth thought we have, and I close with this now. We learn that no matter what people would think, Daniel counted faithfulness to God of greater importance. This was greater to him than what any king thought, what any president thought or princes. This was more important to him than anything else in his life. We're told the very last phrase of verse 10. As he prayed thanks to his God, as he did aforetime. As he did aforetime. As was the habit of this man. And why should he change his godly habit? Because of some foolish law made by this ungodly king that was against the very point of his communication and communion with the Lord. Some people would accuse Daniel of hyper-spirituality. Maybe you've heard people say that about you. A decision you're making, a stand you're taking, a point of principle you're going to make. And they would say, who do you think you are? Like goody two-shoes? Are you better than everybody else? You're holy than other people? And so they would have accused him. There's a hyper-spiritual guy right there. You know what you do with situations and people that talk like that? You completely ignore it. You don't let that rattle you and don't let it bother you. Because if what you are doing is from your heart toward God and you're going to worship Him, then you do that, friend, no matter what anyone else will say. Some would try to convince Daniel to make a, a small compromise for the sake of expediency. Expediency is quite a broad word used this day. And uh, it, a lot of things come into that package Sometimes people will use it because they're just cowards and they don't want to be put out front and center. Or maybe it's because they don't have a strong enough conviction in their heart about a certain thing to follow God's truth. There might be many different reasons. But for expediency's sake, we should never compromise God's truth. That complying with this temporary injunction would be much more reasonable in the long run. Come on, Daniel. Like, you're, you're a reasonable man. The king just made this law. You're going to upset a whole lot of things here. If you go ahead with this, standing on your principles of having to go to prayer, think of the cost of it. Think of how much you will give up. Think of what the trouble you're going to cause in the kingdom for the common good. You must do this for the common good. You must just go with the flow of society so you don't upset things. And all of what I'm saying to you is exactly the same thing that's put to us today as believers. The exact same point of principle. Just get over it. Just go along with it a little bit. And how careful we must be that we do not allow that spirit to influence our thinking and to twist our, our stand of principle. Because honoring the Lord and keeping His commandments. It was of supreme importance with this man. And he remained unmoved in all of the fickle and vacillating laws of man. You know, they would all pass away as they have 
thousands of years ago now. But the law of God, it still stands firm. It's unmoved. And though the heavens crumble and the earth falls, the Word of God stands true. And we want to follow in that path of righteousness. We want to say, Lord, we are Your servants. We want to do Your your will. And so, friends, today, as we ask the question, what, what would we do if we were in Daniel's situation? Well, we would say we want to be resolved that we will obey God rather than men. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, please write this word upon our hearts. The voice of man is silent. I pray the Spirit will continue to speak. And you would help us, Father. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a closing hymn now, 581. And this is a good hymn that really speaks to the point at hand to stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high His royal banner. It must not suffer loss. We'll stand, please, as we sing.
prayer today. Help us to stand for Your truth and not to go astray, not to falter, not to fear. Dear God, I pray today that anyone who is without Christ, they do not know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, that You would speak effectually, powerfully to their heart now and bring them to faith in Christ. Lord, hear our prayer now. Part us in Your fear and with Your blessing, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 